the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today we begin a series called The Gospel Brings Freedom. We'll be spending our time in Galatians over the next couple of weeks. Join us, Truth For Today, with Pastor Phil Howard, coming up next. And this is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard takes us to Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10 today as we begin a series called The Gospel Brings Freedom. It's the gospel under siege today. Please join us. Again, Galatians chapter 1, first 10 verses. By the way, if you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can direct it to him by using your voice memo app. Simply record your question on your phone and then email it to him. And here's the email address, tftquestions at valleybible.org. We'll see if we can't get it on the air with Pastor Phil. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. We're going to begin the book of Galatians today. I have never preached this book. And now that I'm in it, I think, where have I been? Uh, I think I've been in Romans all my life. Because Galatians is very much like Romans. And... Uh, I, I would say this, the, the reason we do our best to stay in Bible books and uh, always running to a book like that is um, I'm very concerned that the pulpit is God-centered. And I just read a book, No God But God by Oz Guinness, dealing with the idols of our age. They did a survey of sermons. Uh, they, they, they just looked at 200 sermons, and they graded them by four categories. One, was the sermon's content and outline found in the biblical passage? Two, uh, was the content biblical, but the preacher took the liberty to organize it to suit himself? So the outline, you know, he did a little artistic work with it, but Uh, At least he's trying to be biblical. Third thing they mentioned was neither the content nor the organization of the sermon uh, had anything to do with the Bible. But uh, they were a good speaker, whatever. Fourthly, those in which neither content nor the organization arose from a biblical passage in which the content was discernibly or obviously Christian. And in their summary, over 50% of all sermons, biblical content wasn't found. They didn't need the Bible. They were just a good speaker. Uh, The organization uh, was not biblical. And uh, the conclusion was that over 50% of Protestant preaching could be offered by a secular psychologist at a rotary meeting. It had no more content than that. And so um, we keep running back to Bible books, Bible books, 
because I want God to be seen in this pulpit. I want God to be heard. I want to be God-centered, not man-centered. Everything is felt needs, uh, seeker-friendly. Well, I hope just loving people makes us seeker-friendly. And uh, felt needs, I was born crying. And I was born hungry. So I started out with felt needs. Mama, feed me. But I'll tell you, the great fountain that uh, supplies everything is our God. And he said that in Jeremiah. You have abandoned me, the true fountain, and hewn out for yourself cisterns that can hold no water. So our God supplies everything we need ultimately. Did you know he could change your marriage? But the goal of the Bible isn't 10 steps to a good marriage. Because you could have a good marriage and go to hell. You got a bigger problem than your marriage. And that is you're guilty before God until you meet his son. And so we want to get you to God and the son. And he will supply the wisdom, the strength for every area of your life. Is that not so? And so uh, I just want to give a plug for God and the Bible. Never get tired of it. Never get tired of it. Uh, I just read a survey that of all the British preachers that fell into immorality, over all of them, it was nearly, I think it was 80 to 100% of them had quit reading the Bible the year before they fell. When God's word quits running up and down the corridors of your heart, sin is lurching. I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So, even myself, this year I've started reading the Bible afresh. I'm in Genesis and I'm in Matthew. Three chapters a day in each testament. You know why? I'm always preparing sermons and preparing, preparing, preparing. And I got sloppy in Bible reading. Don't have time. I got to prepare another sermon. But there's just something about just reading the word and letting God talk to me. And me not trying to think I got to whip out three points. No, just let God talk to you. So I encourage you, break in a new Bible this year. Some of you need to buy a new Bible. You've marked up the other one. You've got all the verses figured out. You need to start all over. And uh, let's start with the Galatians. Galatians, let me tell you why it's written. This book was written because Christianity began with all Jews. Uh, all the apostles were Jewish. Uh, one apostle among them, Paul, was set aside to go to the Gentile world. James, Peter, John primarily stayed in Jerusalem. John went to Ephesus eventually. And uh, they were focusing on the Jewish part of the church where it started in Jerusalem. And uh, Paul went out and he evangelized the Gentiles and God did great works. Uh, he suffered much. And he went up to Galatia, which is modern day Turkey. And uh, the Gauls were there. They believe the French people had come down in that area. And he settled churches like Iconium, Derby, Lystra, southern part of Galatia. And uh, God was doing wonderful works there. And uh, after a while, uh, people became disturbed by the gospel that Paul preached. They said, he's not preaching a gospel that will save for he was not demanding the Gentiles to be circumcised. He was not demanding that the Gentiles become kosher. 
He was not demanding that they keep Jewish feast days and, and Jewish holidays. Other words, they had to add that. Just, it was awfully hard on Judaizers to think God would have anything to do with Gentiles. So, to add to Paul's gospel, says you must believe in Jesus Christ plus be circumcised, plus be kosher, plus keep the Sabbath, plus keep the law of Moses, plus keep everything that's Jewish in our religion. Then a man is justified before God. For God cannot justify anyone apart from circumcision and Jewishness. Well, they had a little church council, and you need to read it back in Acts 15. Because in chapter 2, uh, Paul attends this. And when he gets there, they have a debate at the council of Jerusalem. And notice the debate. Acts 15, I can't hear you. Yeah, you turn pages. You turn them. They, they, they turn Okay. Uh, Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Wow. The gospel is at stake. Christ alone, faith alone, is not enough to save you. That's the message. Well, they have a big debate. They go on, and they conclude in verse 11, no, this is a church at Jerusalem. They always try to split Paul from the Jewish church, as it were. There's only one church, but the Jewish wing, these Judaizers said, well, he's in the Gentile wing, and we doubt his credentials anyway. But the Jerusalem church, along with Paul, the Gentile missionary, they conclude, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. We're saved by grace alone, faith alone. We don't have to go under the Mosaic law. We don't have to get our boys circumcised. And by the way, you need to make that distinction. To be circumcised for medical reasons was not the reason circumcision practice. It was for religious status, set you apart in an Abrahamic covenant sense, a religious status. Circumcision for medical purposes is one issue. This is for a righteous standing before God. So... Paul takes up the pen to deal with this issue. Because until you understand the gospel, there are three areas that we will fall into that will kill us. One, legalism. I must do good works in order to be saved. I've got to add my part to the gospel. And so I'm always inventing or under a set of rules to guarantee my status before God. Two, antinomianism which says, now that I'm saved, I'm free to live like I want, and I'm free to sin all I want. And he'll deal with that in the book. No, getting out from the law of Moses and getting saved by grace, you're not free to live as you please because now you come under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and he's big enough to take care of the sin issue without Moses. We don't need Moses to teach us how to walk in an acceptable way to God. This was an offense to the Jewish uh, proselyters. Third thing, Galatianism. 
And Galatianism is kind of this way. Having begun in the Spirit and having begun by faith, we are bewitched to go under a set of rules to keep ourselves saved and acceptable to God. In other words, Christ alone isn't enough to give me a guaranteed acceptance in my Christian life. I must add a bunch of other things, and this is really what he takes on in Galatians. The Galatian is, I'm saved by grace, but I'm kept by works. I'm kept by the things I do. And so I'm kept because I go to all the morning services. I'm kept because I tithe. Well, many of you have already been lost. You never even learned it. Your baby's out here. You're just not maturing, but to say you're not saved is something else. Uh, I'm, I'm saved. I remember I accepted Christ in that meeting, but now I've got all these other church things laid upon me, and I'm not doing too good, so maybe... Maybe I need to go under a work system to guarantee that I'm saved. So, Paul is going to take this on. And three things we want to look at in the passage. Three things. To discredit Paul's message, they discredited him. And they said, you are not an authentic apostle. You are not an authentic messenger of the gospel. You don't have the stature of a Peter. You don't have the stature of James the elder. We, we question your authority to even teach your message. So he's going to spend the first two chapters saying, I am an authentic apostle. I was taught by Christ. I eventually went to Jerusalem, and the gospel I was teaching was in accord with what Peter and James understood the gospel. I am authentic. So it's highly biographical, and he's defending who he is. Then, chapters 3 and 4, he says, let me give you a doctrinal explanation why it's by faith through grace and not by the law. The law never saved anybody. You never will go to heaven by the law. You can't make it. The Jews couldn't make it, so how in the world could you think Gentiles could make it? And he'll deal with that. And then he deals with chapters 5 and 6. Where is the power for the new kind of life? If we're not under the law, what is it that we're under that makes us behave right? What keeps us from being licentious in our life? What keeps us from going wild if we don't have a bunch of rules? He said, let me introduce you to the Spirit's guiding ministry. Let me introduce you to what the Spirit does in the life of the saved. And you'll find out we've been given a new dynamic. We're not under the law. We're under the guidance and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's the basis of Christian ethics. So let's begin here. And look at the first thing, going back to Galatians 1. All right? Galatians 1. Let me begin. Paul, an apostle, sent, from, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. The first thing he says in these few words is, I am an authentic messenger of God. I am an apostle. 
Now, I see some people that will say, I'm an apostle. I've seen pastors that have their card, apostle so-and-so. And no, no, they're not. They got the wrong title. You know, they got the wrong title on an empty can. Uh, No, no, there's no apostles today. Because to be an apostle, the Jews understood this, to be an official word, that you're acting under official representation of God. And when they, in the book of Acts, wanted to replace Judas, who hung himself, they had a vote on Matthias, and they put him in. But the credential was, you had to see the resurrected Christ. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul says in chapter 12, he said, you must perform the signs of an apostle. They raised the dead. They wrote scriptures under the guidance of the Spirit. Uh, They had seen the risen Christ. And so Paul says, I am an apostle. I've seen the risen Christ. I saw him on the road to Damascus as a devout Jewish Pharisee going to kill Christians. And Christ confronted me on that road, and I saw not a vision. I saw the real living Christ in a body who stood in my way on that path and knocked me off the animal and revealed himself to me. I've seen Christ and none other. And he will go on to say in this book, I spent three years being tutored by him in Arabia. He said, my apostleship neither came from men nor through the agency of men. Two distinct Greek words. I didn't come from men. I didn't come through the agency of men. I have become his messenger through Jesus Christ and God our Father. That's where I got my credentials. Do not try to depreciate where I got my call in ministry, he's saying. I'm no Twinkie. I don't need to bow to Peter. I don't need to bow to James. The living Christ taught me, revealed himself to me in his resurrected body. I have seen him for myself. It's quite interesting today how men become preachers and representatives of God. I think uh, of guys, you know, many denominations, you have to complete so much schooling. You've got to have at least a master's degree in many denominations. So you've got to get your credentials through education. And then you've got to go before ordination councils. And then you, you, you're made a minister from men through men, you've got to have them all over you to ever be recognized. I think of myself, uh, I, I got light, let's see, I became an exhort in my denomination that I grew up in. You had three steps to becoming ordained, exhorter, license, uh, ordained. Exhorter, two years, license, two years, and then ordained, hopefully for life. And uh, by the time I was 24, I was ordained. So I started preaching young. And I remember being in Roseville, California, about 200 pastors, my mom and dad, my wife, and my sister Hazel. And they were there when these men laid hands on me. And a superintendent out from Joplin, Missouri, laid hands on me. This boy has sure enough been called to preach. This boy's authorized and credentialed. We give him our ordination status. Well, when I began this church, I sent that in because I quit being in that group. 
And so I lost my ordination with them. And so we called in another ordination council. And when we were down in Holy Ghost Hall, pastors in this area came. And my early deacons were there. And they drilled me doctrinally and asked questions about my manner of life and about my credentials to preach and what I believed doctrinally. And then I got a little certificate in my office that says, Valley Bible recognizes that this guy's been called to preach. Well, I've been preaching for seven to eight years before I ever came here. But I've got the credential down there that says, I'm sure enough ordained. But you know what? Before Roseville, California, and 200 preachers laid hands on me, and before any ordination council got a hold of me in Valley, when I was 15 years old at Alliance Redwoods, kneeling on sawdust, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he said, Who will go for me? And Isaiah 6 rung in my heart for six months, and I said, I will go if you'll cleanse me. I want to tell you, that is the calling that changed my life. I'm a preacher, not an apostle now, not an apostle. I'm a preacher from God and through the agency of the Spirit of God working. But it's something else that you're an apostle. And Paul says, I am in that select group of men that Christ gave the church, that he's building the foundation on. I got it from Christ I got it through his agency, and I didn't need Jerusalem, and I didn't need any man's hands on me to have my message. My message comes from above, from Christ and God the Father. You better know where you get your message and where you get your calling. You know what bothers me? A lot of people, I'll just talk about the ministry today. A lot of people want a career. They don't want a ministry. They're going where there's the best benefits, the best pay, the best perks. I tell you, reading the life story of Amy Carmichael, she wrote back to England, and this was her words. I invite you to come and join me in India. It will be a chance to die. And Elizabeth Elliot titled the biography, A Chance to Die. I wonder, when God calls you, there won't be salaries. There won't be benefits. There won't be perks. There won't be numbers. There will be a crucified, risen Christ saying, will you go for me? Will you go for me? He goes on to say, not only is the messenger authentic, but he says, my message is authentic. And here's where he begins. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace was the Gentile greeting. Peace was the Jewish. The grace of God gives you the peace of God. And it comes from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father. To whom be glory forever and ever Amen. An authentic message. What is that message, Paul? In summary, I think he says it right in verse 4. Our gospel is based upon Christ who voluntarily gave himself for us. He said in John 10, no man takes my life, I of myself lay it down. So I will give my life. 
We often talk about Pilate, Herod, the Gentiles, the Jews, everybody that had a part in saying he's condemned. But he said, I volunteered for the job. I said, I will be the Lamb of God that will step in the place of the just punishment of God against sin. I volunteer for the job. Secondly, he said, he substituted for his people who gave himself for our sins. Now, that is substitution. I will step in the place of divine penalty against sin. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station. Would you be a part of that family, that friendship? We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us again. You can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.